You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. There's nothing wrong with planning for the present and, you know, prospering. And if God puts us in a position where we are able to prosper, there's nothing wrong with that. But we always need to keep eternity in view. We need to live for God in His service, always with eternity in view. We need to make sure that everything is right within our lives. In other words, we just need to set our priorities straight. Because why? You never know. For the average person, life is nothing but a long string planning, reacting, and setting goals. Unfortunately, so many people get so caught up pursuing said goals and plans that they give no mind whatsoever to the things of eternity. In today's message, Pastor Mike will teach you that while there's nothing inherently wrong with making plans, the believer should always be set on eternity. In his study, you'll learn the importance of living your life for the kingdom and to always have your priorities straight. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Luke, chapter 12, as he continues his message, Just One Step. In Luke's Gospel, in chapter 12, we are introduced to a rich farmer and, uh, who is prospering. And picking up now in Luke's Gospel, in chapter 12, beginning in verse 16, there we are told, Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. So he was prospering. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? since I have no room to store my crops. And so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. No concern for the future. No concern for one day that he would know uh, that God would call him uh, home, right? No thought of the future. And I will say to my soul, soul, You have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And I think, you know, many people today, that's their philosophy of life. Just eat, drink, and be merry. You know, live for today with no thought of the future, no thought of eternity. But notice verse 20, but God said to him, fool. So we're foolish if we don't think about eternity. This night your soul will be required of you, then whose will those things be which you have provided? And listen, you know, there's nothing wrong with 
planning for the president and, you know, prospering. And if God puts us in a position where we are able to prosper, there's nothing wrong with that. But we always need to keep eternity in view. We need to live for God in his service, always with eternity in view. We need to make sure that everything is right within our lives. In other words, we just need to set our priorities straight. Because why? You never know. And if these things are in order, if all of your priorities are set straight, listen then, it is then only one step to eternal life. And remember, Jesus is that step. So make sure that Jesus is a high priority within your life, seeking him obeying him, serving him. Now, getting back to our text, let's go back to our text now. This oath our two friends had uh, made. Over the years, Jonathan had come to believe that David, not himself, was destined to be Israel's next king. And therefore, the pact that they now made included their uh, children. Notice there in verse 15. Let's jump ahead uh, here in chapter 20 to verse 15. But you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So listen, this is no small thing on Jonathan's part. Remember, Jonathan was the king's successor. He was the oldest child. He was the firstborn of Saul, who was the king. And that meant that he would be the successor to the a throne, that he would ascend to the throne, that that would be his right. But I want you to notice, and you've got to commend Jonathan here, because he knew that, he, that what God was doing, and he wouldn't challenge what God had purposed to do. That is, David placed as the next king over Israel. So you've got to commend Jonathan for this. This is no small thing, right? So anyway, and then let's go back to our text, verses 5 through 7. And David said to Jonathan, after they made this pact, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I'll explain all of this for you in just a moment, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. Again, David knowing that Saul was seeking to kill David. If your father misses me at all at that feast of the new moon, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, where he was born, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all of the family. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. So this was the way that David would ascertain whether or not Saul was determined to kill David. Now let's talk about this feast of the new moon. The new moon was a festival that was marked by consecration to God. It took place each new month in the year. It was marked by sacrifices. It was marked by the blowing of uh, trumpets and a suspension of labor and also family feasts. And so that's what's being described for us here, this feast that happened monthly that Saul uh, hosted. This feast of the new moon was only a day or two away, and at this time each month Saul invited his special members 
to a time of banqueting. And uh, some of his guests would have obviously included each month Jonathan, who had a very special place in his court. Abner, remember Abner was the commander of Saul's army, as well as uh, David. All of these high officials of a state. And by the way, if you want some additional information concerning this feast of the new moon, you can read about it in the book of Numbers in chapter 29, verses 11 through uh, 15. And once again, special sacrifices were to be offered, and uh, all of these different things were a part of this new moon, uh, the festivities of this new moon uh, celebration. But notice here, David, however chose to remain in hiding because he he thought if I attended it, it would just provide an opportunity for Saul to kill him. And so David chose to remain in hiding, and he and Jonathan, after they made this pact, developed a strategy to determine Saul's true attitude towards his son-in-law, David. And thus when Saul inquires why David had not come to the feast, Jonathan would Uh, say to his father David, he would tell him, rather his father Saul, that David's older brother required his presence for a special family get-together there in the city of uh, Bethlehem, according to what's recorded for us there in verse 29 of this chapter. Well, anyway, the first evening of the feast, now Saul is gathered together with those high officials, the first evening of the feast, According to verse 26, follow along with me. I'm going to move quickly now. Saul said nothing about David's absence. So Saul was probably thinking, well, you know, maybe he presumed David had contracted some ceremonial defilement. And you can read about the the various uh, things that were part of impurities that would have uh, disqualified anyone from attending uh, one of these festivities. It was a pretty extensive list of impurities that are listed for us there in the book of Leviticus in chapter 15. So that took place the first night. So it doesn't seem as if Saul was uh, taken back initially by David not being there on this occasion. But the second evening, notice there in verse 27, however, Saul questioned Jonathan. Where's David? And also Saul must have referred to David in a most derogatory uh, manner. But Jonathan, with a masterful control over his emotions, told the story that David had devised as a means of disarming Saul's true feelings towards him. Let's pick up now in verses 28 and 29 of chapter 20. And so Jonathan answered Saul. Again, Saul was questioning Jonathan, where's David? And Jonathan responded and said, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city, Bethlehem, and my brother, the oldest brother, had commanded me to be there. And now if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. But listen, Saul was not appeased by Jonathan's explanation. And thus Saul's anger burned against his son, and the king spoke words that were calculated to inflict deep hurt. Let's pick up now in verses 30 and 31. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, 
you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse, David, to your own shame over his own father, Saul, and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Now I want you to notice two things here. First of all, Saul betrayed his own awareness of David's destiny. Do you see that there? He knew that God had chosen David in his place. So the first thing, he betrays his own awareness of David's destiny as Israel's next king. And then secondly, also notice, he insults his wife, who was as righteous as her son, Jonathan. Well, I guess her piety and righteousness could no longer be tolerated in Saul's presence. He rejected both his wife and her firstborn son, Jonathan. And then notice in verse 32, Jonathan answers his father and says, Saul answered Saul his father and said to him, Why should he, David, be killed? What has he done? And then in verse 33, Saul flies into a rage and he throws his spear in the direction of Jonathan. But fortunately, he missed. Can you imagine that? Trying to kill your own son. Jonathan, verse 34, is angered by his father's insults and actions, and he leaves the room. The next morning, verses 35 through 39, Jonathan goes out into the field for some target practice according to their plan, once again to ascertain Saul's true intentions. And by the way, this took great courage on Jonathan's part, because if the king found out about this plan that they had agreed upon between Jonathan and David, then Saul's focus and rage would then become on his son, Jonathan. So it took great courage on Jonathan's part. And as arranged, he shot the arrows in a way, and remember now, uh, David is there in that field, in hiding secretly, and the way that he would shoot the arrows would be the way that he would ascertain Saul's true feelings, whether or not he was going to continue to seek and kill David. And so, well, as arranged, he shot the arrows in a way that signaled Saul's continued animosity towards David. Now, just for a moment, I want to mention something that I think is very important here. And I don't know if it has really anything. Well, I guess it has something to do with our text. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard the expression, things can change on a dime? How many of you have ever heard that expression? You've probably even heard me uh, use it in my sharing the gospel with you uh, before. And uh, I want you to think about this small thing. What am I referring to? The signal of a single arrow, which if you think about it, was really a small thing. And it was in the way that Jonathan was to shoot that arrow to alert David of King Saul's intentions. And the way that Jonathan shot that single arrow told David that his whole life was about to change. It was a very small thing. He would no longer be welcomed 
in the palace. No longer would he be welcome among the army of Israel. He would no longer be able to go home. David had now become a fugitive on the run from an angry, jealous king determined to destroy him. Listen, you know, what was true of David can also be true of us. Because sometimes our lives turn on a small thing. For example, one night of carelessness may change a girl's life forever. You know, entering into the wrong kind of a relationship with a boyfriend and thus become impregnated, not being able to control their feelings and their emotions. And now that girl has become impregnated and she's about to give birth to a child. And that can change that young girl's future forever. Or how about this? One night with the wrong crowd and in the wrong place may give a young boy an arrest record or worse. You know, it often does not seem fair that so much in life should turn on a small moment, but a lifetime is made up of nothing but many small moments. Oh, how that we need to be careful. Make sure that all of your moments are spent seeking God and staying very close to Him because you just never know. We can, you know, in a moment we can make the wrong choice, the wrong decision, and it'll completely and entirely change our future forever. Uh, well, anyway, Jonathan told the young lad that had accompanied him out onto the practice field where he was shooting the arrows, uh, the young lad that was accompanying him to retrieve the arrows and to take the weapons back into the city. Notice there, according to verse 40. And the two friends, Jonathan and David, once again, met in secret. Okay, let's pick up now in verses 41 and 42. So as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place towards the south where he had been hiding. He fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another and they wept together, but David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. And so he arose and departed, and Jonathan went back into the city of Gibeah. And listen, it was a heart-wrenching parting. David was tearing himself away from everything that he held dear. He is facing the future as a fugitive with a price on his head. And as David made his way over the hills, Jonathan also with a heavy heart returns back to Gibeah. For both of these godly men, Saul's unbridled jealousy and unrestrained anger cast a dark cloud over what should have been a very bright future. And so David is all alone now. All comfort has been taken away from him, and he is under the threat of death. Now listen, next time we are going to see the actions of a desperate man, David. We'll go through all of this next time in chapter 21. Now someone may be thinking at this point, okay, so where's the happy ending? What a bummer, right? Well listen, all of these evil designs were working towards preparing David for the throne. 
God was orchestrating all of these details. He was allowing these things to take place within David's life for a purpose. Even as those things that seem to be working against us presently in our life's experience are working together for our blessing. God has a plan. And God is orchestrating all of the details in our lives as well. Listen, David's ups and downs, and there were many, and as we continue to go through 1 Samuel, and then as we continue to go on in 2 Samuel, and that's, by the way, what we're going to do over the next couple of months. So there were many ups and downs in David's life's experience. But listen, they should lead us to a place of our own trust and confidently placing our trust in the loving kindness of the Lord when we experience injustice in our life's experience. And guess what? We will probably experience those very same things. You know, I I would like for us, as we close out this message, turn with me in your Bibles to the 37th Psalm. We're not going to read the entire Psalm. I just want to highlight a couple of verses there for you that speaks to God working for us. You know, in those injustices that we are forced to experience in our lives. But let's pick up in verse 7. So in the 37th Psalm, in verse 7. And David is writing this out of his own experiences. There he tells us, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret if only it only causes harm, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. And I encourage you sometime during the week, you know, read the rest of this psalm. And whatever you're going through right now, you know, take heart and be encouraged. And be encouraged by the truth, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, one of the most familiar, one of the most beloved uh, texts of scripture anywhere in the New Testament, all things work together for good for those who love God. Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be Oh my We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online. Just go to the resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or 
Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.